The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Before we dive into this passage, let me pray for us. Um, Pray with me. God, thank you that you're a God of mercy, and yet you're a God of truth. You're a God of truth and grace. Thank you that you're a God that that is not afraid of your people, that is not intimidated by our stubbornness, that is not shaken by our fists that often are shaking at you. Thank you that you have sent prophets to speak true words to us. And thank you also, O God, that you have given us your word even today that we can hear the words of the prophets and we can take heed as well. O God, would you accomplish your purposes in the next few minutes? Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. O God, give us hearts that welcome correction. Give us a new vision and a new way forward for prayer and fasting and your word and the Sabbath. Oh, God, may we hunger for you, and may we see that there's freedom in you. God, lead us home. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we, uh, before we dive into this passage, I, I want to use a, a, a video, and I, I hope the, video, the, the audio is up loud enough for us to hear it. Uh, but check out just about 40 seconds of this video. You may have seen it during the Super Bowl. home mean to me? It's my sanctuary. It's the one place I can let my guard down. It's where I can just kick back and be totally comfortable in my own skin. You know what I'm saying? Rocket Mortgage understands that home is where I can be myself. And that feels pretty darn good. Home is where you feel the most comfortable. There you go. And before we dive into a really, really tough passage this morning, as I was watching the Super Bowl, I thought, that's exactly what Isaiah is trying to get us to do. Uh, So often, we feel like God is not the kind of place where you can take your muscles off, that he is not the kind of God that you can be real with. And yet, as we come to our passage this morning, that's exactly what God is telling Israel and what he's telling us. You can take it off. In fact, that's the purpose of prayer and fasting. It's not to come to God to show him how strong you are. It's to come to God and to take it all off and say, get more of me that I might have real strength. You see, we can't fake it with God. He doesn't want synthetic muscle. He doesn't want pretend. He doesn't want the outward show. He wants the reality of life with him and the consequential life that flows out of that. 
the life that is the consequence of spending time with him, of not seeking to impress him, but spending time alone with him, even giving up food that you might hear from him. And friends, that is not where we, most of us, live much of the time. It's no new phenomenon. We see it here in Israel. It's all throughout the prophets. Take off your false muscles. Quit trying to act so strong. Quit trying to impress me with your spiritual disciplines. That's exactly what's happening here. God tells Isaiah to, to scream at his people at the decimal level of the blast of a trumpet. That's how he starts out. Don't just kind of nudge, scream and tell them their transgressions. And what is their transgressions? The way in which they're praying and fasting and going to his word. <laughs> Are you serious? God is criticizing the way his people pray and fast? They're criticizing him for their, this apparently high regard for his word? Verse 2, that's what he's saying. They seek me daily and delight to know my ways. But they're not impressing God. You're like, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Yes. We are supposed to meditate on his word. We're supposed to allow his law to read us, and yet they're using his word to somehow manipulate him. They're telling God through his word what he must do for them. And they're using prayer and fasting in the same way. Listen to it. Behold, in the days of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. Well, I thought it was just enough that I'm fast. I mean, God ought to be pleased with me because I'm, I've given up food for 24 hours. No. That's not what he's asking us to do. That's not the point of this. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and you oppress all your workers. While you're praying and fasting, you aren't paying your workers enough and you're making, while you're taking your Sabbath, you're making your workers work. Oh, that's a two for one. I can obey God and not lose money. Oh, wait a minute. God, you, you, you want to get that deep? You want to tell me how to run my business? God says, yeah. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Are you going to get mad? I mean, we've called a fast at downtown church. Are you going to start getting into our relationships and how we don't love each other? God says, yeah. It is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow uh, down his head like a reed? <laughs> and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? I mean, God commands this in other places, take sackcloth and ashes. But that's not the point of it. Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? He is mocking the people of God for the way they pray and fast and approach his word. He is not just pleased with the action. But why? What are they praying for? If, if their prayers are not focused on him, what are they praying for? They're going to God to get God to serve them. They're taking their plans to God and saying, bless it. Bless my plans, build my wealth, prosper me. And also make us a light to the nations. God, why aren't we a big witness to the nations? Why aren't everybody, why are we having deep impact? 
God is saying, use your prayer and fasting, get connected with the whole counsel of my word, not just what you pick and choose, and make my priorities your priorities. And then he says this, then shall your light break forth like the dawn. You want to have impact, here it is, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Make my kingdom priorities your priorities and then see what happens. Come to me and let me get your heart and move in this direction. Here's the deal. The people of God were using the spiritual disciplines to try to manipulate God. And in essence, what they were doing is they were trying to do the Christian life, Jewish life at that time, with no relationship or regard for the poor, the broken, the marginalized, the oppressed, and those who couldn't speak for themselves. I am so glad this has nothing to do with the modern-day church. I mean... Wow. Wow. This Wednesday night at midnight through 4 or 5 on Thursday, we're asking that we fast and pray. That we say no to food and we drink water, juice, um, and we pray. But what God is telling us is it's not just enough to pray and fast. So what is the purpose? Number one, the purpose of prayer and fasting is for God to get your heart for what he wants. It's not to bring our plans to God and say, bless us. It's, it's to come to God and say, I need to hear from you. It's to be much more quiet than verbal. It's interesting to me, if, if you do a study on fasting throughout the scriptures, most of the passages, it appears to me, or at least the major passages, are not describing how to do it they're condemning the people of God for how, how they're doing it. It's unbelievable. He's criticizing the people of God. Zechariah 7, another prophet, a, very, a, a passage that mirrors this. Listen to these verses. Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me. Say to all the people of the land and the priest, and the priest, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh for these 70 years, faithfully Praying and fasting 70 years and mourned in the fifth. Um, was it for me that you fasted? And the answer to that is no. And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgment, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. You mean God's more concerned about how we treat it, about our community, about the nature of, of our community life as brothers and sisters. Ah, but they refused to pay attention. They, they didn't pay heed. And they turned a stubborn shoulder. 
and they stop their ears that they might not hear. Listen to this verse. This, this got me this week. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Oh, they loved his word. Oh, we have conferences. We, oh, we love God's word. Okay, if you love God's word and you're not loving the poor and the fatherless and the widow and you're not speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves, you don't love God's word. You're fake. That's why the world stands back at the church and goes, really? Even Matthew 6, what is Jesus? Jesus says, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. I don't want fake. I don't want acting. I want reality. I want transformation. You see, the teaching on prayer and fasting, when, when you start, when you get into the spiritual disciplines of fasting, it always comes in the scriptures with a big warning label. Beware. Because it's going to mess with your heart. You're going to think you're really good just for doing it. But that's not the point at all. You can do it for the next 70 years like, like the, the Israelites did. And guess what? It can, it can reap absolutely zero fruit other than self-righteousness and arrogance. You see, the purpose of coupling prayer with fasting is to get a deeper experience of God's presence. We talked about that two weeks ago. But that's not it. The reason that we get a deeper experience of God's presence is so that he can reorient our hearts from ourselves to him. So that he can send us out to do his kingdom work in his vineyard. If we stop at any point, if we rush to the end, I'm just going to do his kingdom work. No, it's going to be all about you. If we stop, no, I'm just going to do prayer and fasting. Nope. I'm just going to do his work. Nope. It is prayer and fasting and listening and begging, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The purpose of prayer and fasting is to get the life of heaven down to earth through his church. It's to give a world an experience of heaven. Do you want to know why it seems that you're so, why, why it seems that God is not answering your prayers? It's because typically, and I'm just saying, this is the history of God's people. Typically, it's because you're begging God to, to bless the kind of life that you think you have to have to be happy. You're praying out of your anxiety. I'm praying out of my anxiety and worry. Oh, God, if you don't give me this, I can't move, I can't live. And the best answer to that kind of praying is for God to say, I'm not giving it to you. Because I love you too much. Because you can live without it. That's the whole point. You have me. What we need more than anything is an ongoing experience of his presence, which is the purpose of prayer and fasting. Not to manipulate God while we have him, but for him to get our hearts while he has us. As we enter Thursday, that's what we should be praying. Here should be our focus, right here. You should, be, you should be preparing yourself. This is the prayer. Out of all the prayers that I'm going to be praying, this is really the content. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in my life 
through my life, for my life, no matter what. The only way to pray, I came across this quote this week, it's it's awesome. The only way to pray, thy kingdom come, we've got to pray, my kingdom go. And I mean that. That's the wrestling. That's why you got to give up food. Because it's serious. You're talking about God getting so much of your heart that your motivations begin to change. But friends, that's what the presence of God does. No one has ever experienced the presence of God and walked away more self-consumed. No, you experience the presence of God, you're humbled. Let's go back to Isaiah 6. This really is the pattern. Isaiah 6, he he encounters God in a vision. And, And what's the first thing that happens? Woe to me, woe is me, cursed on me, curses on me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. It's not, oh, there you are, I finally found you. Hey, would you, will you give me more money and give me that promotion, and you know, I need this and I want that. Hey, you got all that? All right, cool, I'm gone. No, it's, whoa, I'm nothing. Every intention of my heart is wicked. I've never prayed a righteous prayer in my life. I'm a man of unclean lips. When I speak to you, my lips are dirty because all I do is pray for you to bless me. But he never leaves us there. Well, notice too, and this is so important, it's not just... I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. This, this is so tied into the, you know, Isaiah, which actually we're about to preach through the book of Isaiah. Uh, we'll start in, in a few weeks. But, um, but we'll see as we march through the book of Isaiah, this theme of justice is from chapter 1 all the way on through chapter 60. It's, this, it's, it's a dominant theme. It's a dominant theme of all the scriptures, but especially the prophets, because Israel was always trying to do life with God without a concern for the poor and the broken and the oppressed and the marginalized, just like today. We're no different. They're no different. And, and, and so when, when he says, I live among a people of unclean lips, uh, and, you know, as he looks around, he understands it's not just me, it's the, it's the church. It's all of us. We're a mess, and you can tell by the way that the world has gone. The roads are in shambles. Culture's in shambles. But that the purpose is not to fast and pray just to see your sin so that you can walk away and feel bad and feel good for feeling bad. He doesn't stop there. Then... One of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. How Kevin led us through the confession this morning was textbook. It was slow. It was methodical. It was allowing God's word to get deep into our hearts. And then there were the words of pardon. There was forgiveness. Ah, but you are the children of God. I knew you before the creation of the world. God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
For he predestined us before the creation world to be holy and blameless in his sight. It is by grace I have been saved through faith, not of works, lest I would boast. We just keep preaching the gospel to ourselves and how and pointing out how we are not believing it. But then it's saying, but I am a child of God. Christ has come, and he has lived under the law in my place. He has obeyed it in every way that I haven't, so that I might be declared righteous. And he was pierced for my transgressions in order for me to not have to be pierced for my transgressions. I'm forgiven. I'm free. And once I see I'm free, once I see that God loves me, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Do you see it? It's sin. It's atonement. It's mission. We're not ready for mission until we've dealt with our hearts because we're no good to anybody when we're still our self-righteous, arrogant men and women, boys and girls. It's sin. It's genuine sin. It's softening our hearts. It's hearing, the, it's seeing the, 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 the pierced Christ, the broken Christ, the risen Christ. And knowing that we're united with him and we're forgiven in love, we are sons and daughters of the Father, and then here am I, send me. Notice he doesn't say in, in Isaiah, he doesn't say, here's the mission. You know, I've been pondering, and here's what I'd like to do, God. Will you bless? Here's my mission. Now, you, can you get on board? Here am I, send me. Where does it go? I don't know. But God does. And do you see how beautiful this is in terms of the, um, the, um, the, the, the unity of the church of Jesus Christ and the unity of downtown church? If that is the prayer that we're all praying, if we're all going to God and we're listening, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in Memphis, Tennessee as it is in heaven, in my neighborhood as it is in heaven, on my street as it is in heaven, in my home as it is in heaven, in my workplace as it is in heaven with my hobbies as it is in heaven, with my talents as it is in heaven, with my money as it is in heaven, with, with my mind, with my body, with every, as it is in heaven. If all of us are praying that, and that is the heart, if God is getting all of our hearts, do you understand now how the church can be the church militant for the good of the broken and the good of the oppressed, doing justice in the world, wherever we are, However we are, do you see this grand purpose of fasting and praying, listening to God? And then secondly, so that's the purpose. Then secondly, prayer and fasting done right will lead you to a life of justice. Man, that, that, even that word today is so... It, 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 it's, you can barely even, I can hardly preach a message. Michael can hardly preach a message and not be criticized. Even for being accused of Jesus, preaching Jesus plus. And yet it's just the opposite of that. When you know Jesus and you understand his grace, yes, your mission, your own mission. We'll get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Prayer and fasting done right will lead you to a life of justice. What is justice? Justice is being so motivated by the grace of God that you have eyes to see others and their condition around you, and you begin to leverage, just like God did for you, leverage whatever resources you have for the good of others, especially the poor, the oppressed, the naked, the downtrodden, the fatherless, the orphan, those who can't speak for themselves, especially 
Why? Because they need it most. This is why God is always going after bribes in the Old Testament. Why? Because the poor couldn't, that was a, it was a system where the poor couldn't flourish because they didn't have any money to pay bribes. That was the whole point of it. You see, it, 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 it's looking at it, verse 7 and uh, the last part of verse 7, um, God talks about seeing others as your own flesh, the immigrant, the, the foreigner, the wanderer, the poor, the hungry, as your own flesh. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, my people, and, and this was totally radical. There was no other religion. Every other religion, uh, there was hierarchy. If you were wealthy, then you must be wealthy because of how good you are. They exalted those who were wealthy. They exalted those who were healthy. That's why they, had, they kicked the leper out, you know. And yet, Israel was the place where, where um, God's people treated everyone with dignity because we're all created in the image of God. And so here it says we are to treat others as if they are our own flesh, as if they are our own family. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. Whatever injustice you see around you is your problem. You've got to take ownership. I've got to take ownership. Why? Because it's your brother. I have had injustices committed against um, my, one of my daughters especially, and I, I, I fought, and I went to court, and I saw it through. And friends, that's what God is saying for us to do with our neighbor in this city, and even across the globe, throughout this world, your own flesh. And Christians are the only ones that have the power to live like this because we have a God who rescued us. We have a God, no, we did not deserve it. We were completely running away from him, and yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the DNA that must go to the world, not Christ judged us and condemned us. Oh, he saw how filthy we were and he would have nothing to do with us. No, he saw how filthy we were and he died for us and he lived for us. And no, we didn't deserve it. It's all of grace. You see, our God cares for us. We can actively live by faith. We're the people that can do Sabbath. We can take a day off. Why? Because we have a Father who cares for us, who literally provides for us. Do you, give us this day our daily bread. Have you ever trusted God for your daily bread? You see, fear drives so much of our living. Well, what, I don't know if we take a day off, if we don't do this, then we're not going to be in a position to provide. And No, we are not the providers. God is the provider. He knows what we need, and he meets us. And this is all uh, in the context of normal living. Let me just tell you how this, how this works out. Because I love nonprofits. Thank God for nonprofits. We're in one right now. Um, but I want you to tell, if we look at the history of nonprofits, most of them, if not all of them, have, have originated because the church turn their hearts diamond hard against this message. And so there were a 
couple of people, it's just weird, strange people, like John the Baptist kind of people, like Ken Bennett, 30 years ago. Oh, he had this unique vision. What if we cared about the poor youth of our city? Oh, wow, that's novel. Okay, well, yeah, you go do that. Here's some money. So we don't have to go do that. Thank God, you, here you, I've said it a hundred, you know, I'll say it a hundred more times. Thank God that individual believers stepped out and said, this is what God has called us to, because this is what God has called all of us to. And yet, this is not the only context. It, it, some of us are so programmed that, oh, we got to work for a non, not work. I'm, I'm not even downing people that work for nonprofits. I work for a nonprofit, okay? Uh, it's called the church. But hear what I'm saying. So many of you, you know, in professions or, you know, um, whatever you're in, if you're not working for a nonprofit, it's easy to say, well, that's the only way to do it. And that's not the only way to do it because injustice is everywhere. I'm so encouraged by this body. Um, we have so many in our body that are in the um, health industry, medical industry. And um, one of our members became aware of the fact that the hospital for which they worked um, was suing indigent patients, people that couldn't pay. They were taking poor people to court. <laughs> and, they, and he was like, that's not why I got into this. And so he wrote a letter to some other health professionals and said, hey, this is not why I'm into this, and I have a feeling I'm not alone. Did you know this was happening? Forty others said no, and we're not going to stand for it. And so they wrote a letter to the board of this hospital, and the CEO met with them and changed the policy. And I love it because nobody, it didn't make the papers, it didn't, and this person met with me before, and literally there was some fear. There was like, I could lose my job. But I got to do it. That's it. That's it. It's being where you are with your eyes wide open. It's not willing to just be drug along whichever direction you are being pulled. It's willing to, to look through the eyes of God and say, no, this is hurting people. And I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm not going to make, draw my salary from a place that does this. Lehman Roberts came and, and um, on MLK Day for the last, I don't know how many, they employ 300 people and they send them all out on their payroll to serve this city. That is beautiful. I was talking to one of the, um, they're not volunteers, uh, <laughs> they, were, they were told they had to come paint our office, um, and yet I was talking to one of the employees, and the, I said, how long have you worked for the company? And he said, well, I started when I was 24, and either he said, I'm, I'm about to turn 60, or I'm in his early 60s, and he said, it's been a good family. I said, really? Tell me more about that. Oh, it's been a great place to work. They've been so good to me through the years, I would never leave. And you know what that told me? It told me those at the top had a bigger vision than padding their own wallets. It told me that that was a just place to work. It, it told me that the workers felt cared for, and I'm sure I could go find somebody disgruntled in the organization and, and they would give a different story. But hey, I, it, it told me what I already knew, and that is they want to show Christ 
in their business, even paving roads, which is what Lemmy and Roberts does. Folks, it's wherever you are. The purpose of praying and fasting is for God to remind you of your sin and your selfishness and to be more about uh, His kingdom than your own. And we can do this anywhere. We can do it as parents. Well, I, I just am in this season of life and I can't really. Yes, you can. Are you teaching your children? There are two messages. Here's the worldly message. Honey, you can be whatever you want to be. Or, honey, we serve a great king. And this whole world is his, is his vineyard. This whole world is his place. And he has something for you to do. And you can serve him if you would submit your heart to him. He, he will be with you. He will walk with you. Serve him because it is best. Yeah, you, you might make more money over here. You might, but that's not what we're after because we serve King Jesus. And he is marching us forward. Are you building in the minds of your children? Are you showing them what it's like? Are you showing them that you're about mercy? Are you taking them as you feed um, the hungry or do whatever you do? Are they hearing the stories at work when you stand for a fellow worker? Are they seeing justice in your life? Are they seeing your life moving in this direction? Or do they just hear, boy, I wish we made more money so we could buy this or buy that? Do you see? It's, it's about kingdom focus. And we are all employed in this kingdom focus in any way and every way that we possibly can. Um, and, it's, and, and, and specifically, how do we do this? That's the purpose of the prayer and fasting. Richard can't tell you. I can't say, you better go sign up with Sarah Lockridge this morning, you guilty sinners. I can't do that. That's fabricated. What I can do is say, give up food Wednesday night to Thursday night. If you're able, and I've made that clear, I hope, in my first sermon, unless there's some health concern or, uh, you know, uh, then give something else up, social media or something else up. But for most of us in this room, pray and fast to hear from God specifically how he would use you and employ you in the work that he's called you to do. And again, it's never disassociated never disassociated from the poor and the marginalized and the weak and those that can't speak for themselves. But it's also beyond that. Verse 6, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free. Now, if you're a manager, a worker, that can apply to you. But then he says this, and to break every yoke. Now he's talking about systemic or systematic oppression. Now he's talking about, you look around and see the structures that exist that are holding people back, and, and don't just take the yoke off of their head, but break the yoke. Change the system. Be a part of its change. Motivated by love, motivated by care, motivated by God's love for you, yes. And there's so many issues, my, my, my. I mean, Memphis is plagued with them, as is any city, but Memphis especially. I read something this week from the Mid-South Food Bank. It says this, according to updated map and the meal gap research released by Feeding America in Mid-South Food Bank's 31 county service area, more than 370,370 370 people or 17.8% of the population is food insecure. The rate of child food insecurity is 21.6%. 
More than 110,000 Mid-South children are food insecure. Food insecurity is defined by as not always having access to enough food to meet basic needs. We can do something about that. All right? That's what I'm saying. If you look, and I've, I thought about doing this. Oh, my. I'm way out of time. I'm so sorry. We're going to keep moving. Education. So much more, you get the point. Number three, <laughs> prayer and fasting leads to a life of flourishing. Two kinds of flourishing, real quick. The flourishing, number one, is God's presence. He's your reward in fasting and praying. Then, um, I love this. He says, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. The Lord, your, the Lord, your portion. We need his presence, dear friends, to reorient our hearts for his mission, but we need his presence for the mission. It is hard to be in this world and do good. The world will not meet us with open arms. The world will meet us with fists and opposition. The world will seek to distract us by elections and other things. And yet God says, come to me and let me be your portion. Let me be your heart and soul and let me send you out. You see, his presence makes us soft. Isaiah 53. I, I would, I, I just feel led to say this and I'm just going to say it. I would love for us all to, to really meditate on Isaiah 53 this Thursday. If you take another passage don't feel guilty, all right? But I think it would be really significant if we all meditated on Isaiah 53 this week. Just listen to five verses. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Wow. He was the object of oppression and judgment. And he was led away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut out, cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Oh, what a glorious Savior. Oh, the lover of my soul was willing to do this for me. Let the gospel so penetrate your heart as you go out. Otherwise, you'll be self-righteous, angry, and bitter in your attempts and in, your, and in the opposition that you are going to face when you engage issues of justice. And lastly, the flourishing of the world around us is our gift as well. This is our benefit. This is how we will flourish. Then shall your light rise in the darkness. How can the world see that Christ is really who he said he was? Let God get so much of your heart and mind this year through prayer and fasting at least once a month 
that, that you have such a heart for him that you're willing to lay your life down for the poor and the oppressed, and all of us are moving in that direction. All of us are noticing injustice around us and dealing with it with all humility and yet resilience and boldness and resolve because of the God we serve. And then shall your light rise in the darkness, and your ancient ruin shall be rebuilt. Then the city's going to be rebuilt when we start seeing how in shambles it is. We stop watching the news, and we start making good news. And you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach. Oh, that downtown church, the people of God, they are repairing our city. Oh, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Street by street, friends. It's my prayer this year that God would get so much of our hearts that revival would break out that this is the reputation that we would build throughout the next decades for the glory of Christ, for the good of his church. Let's pray.